Welcome to an all-new episode of Get Lit with Leanna, the podcast. Join me as I sit down with a new guest author in each episode to discuss their books, careers, and everything in between. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite romance authors ever, 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 Rachel Lynn Solomon, to chat about her new book, Business or Pleasure. It's always such a treat to chat with Rachel. She's literally one of my favorite authors, and I will read anything she writes. But this book in particular is so interesting because it touches upon so many different topics, including the importance of sex education and women knowing their bodies. I loved having this conversation with Rachel. There was really no better person to chat about this with. And it was absolutely a pleasure to get to know more about the genesis of the story and these characters and what she's working on next. So without further ado, my conversation with Rachel Lynn Solomon starts right now. Welcome back, Rachel Lynn Solomon, to my podcast. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. I always say that I only will have repeat guests of the authors that I like really, truly adore and love. And as you know, I will literally read anything you write. I'm like seriously one of your biggest fans. So I can't wait to have you on our podcast today to chat about Business or Pleasure. I loved it. It was everything I was expecting. I'm not going to lie because you've been saying that it's like so much more like mature and steamy. And I was just like expecting that from this book, but it delivered beyond like expectations. So I'm so excited to have you here today to chat about the book. First of all, welcome. How are you feeling now that the book is out? Oh, well, thank you so much, Liana. It is so nice to be back to chat with you. And I'm so, so thrilled that you enjoyed it. It was just an absolute blast to write, like to the point where I feel like I should have paid my publisher instead of them paying me. (laughs) It felt wrong. Like I had too much fun. Uh, But It has been just kind of a whirlwind because I was on tour in the U.S. um, my very first time. And then I had some time with family and friends, came back to Amsterdam where I live now and just did kind of the last event of my tour, um, which was an Amsterdam launch. And yeah, it was just incredible to meet so many readers and everyone was so sweet and I love like people get dressed up for book events, which I think is so much fun. And the number of people who like dressed to match the cover or had matching nails or, you know, the Taylor Swift bracelets, it was just uh, honestly like beyond anything I could have imagined. It's so, so nice. It's so special. Are people wearing really funky socks? Yes. Actually, the theme for my Amsterdam event was socks. (laughs) Of course it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone really um, delivered. I love that. That's so much fun. So before we like chat about this book in kind of big detail, obviously this is like your spiciest book yet. It's one of your like first, I mean, it's not your first first, but like you haven't written that many adult romances. So tell me about like the concept behind this book, like kind of how the story came to you, why you wanted to write this story. Like tell me about the genesis of Business or Pleasure. Absolutely. So a lot of my ideas come to me in the form of mashing up subversions on a couple different tropes. And this one in particular, so I'll just give a quick, you know, elevator pitch, uh, which is that business or pleasure is about a ghostwriter who has a terrible one night stand with a C-list actor, not knowing who he is, only to learn that she has been hired to work on his memoir. And their partnership becomes even more complicated when he asks for her help in the bedroom. Just uh, Friday night. Uh, <laughs> um, so in this case, I 
really loved the idea of a ghostwriter main character. It's a career that I find really fascinating. I have some friends who've ghostwritten books for celebrities. And as a consumer of celebrity memoirs, I just, yeah, I, I wanted to know about, I wanted to know more about it. So actually, I, I feel like I misspoke it because of, I think it's a combination of like some tropes plus something I want to know more about. So in this case, I wanted to know more about ghostwriting. And then when we get to the tropes, the one night stand trope, you know, pretty popular one. But in just about every iteration, the one night stand is always amazing. It's two people have this mind blowing hookup. And then heroin shows up at work the next day, the hero's your boss. And that's fun. It definitely is. <laughs> but wouldn't it be more fun if the sex had been awful? <laughs> like, how much more awkward would that be if you show up at work and you just had the worst night of your life with someone? Yeah. Uh, and I also, it felt like it would be a fun challenge to redeem a hero who starts out with just zero bedroom skills. <laughs> you know, like to like to make things hard for myself. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so we have a twist. Yeah, so we have a twist on that one night stand trope. And then the other trope that I had wanted to write for a while was the sort of lessons in seduction or the teach me trope, because the the main character Chandler is giving essentially sex lessons to Finn, the hero. And again, this was a trope that I had almost always seen happen the other way around, where if it's an MF pairing, the hero is pretty much always teaching the heroine about, you know, the ways of <laughs> just teaching her, yeah, how things work in the bedroom. And a lot of times that amounts to like teaching her how her own body works and the implication that maybe he knows her body better than she does, which feels not that empowering. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just wanted to turn it around and then put all of that together in a soup pot and we got business for pleasure. <laughs> it's, it's so different. It's so funny. It's so real. And it's like so damn steamy. And obviously that was your intention with the story. Given <laughs> like the premise, what was that like to kind of like push the boundary a little bit in terms of what you've written before and have like so much on page steam and kind of have it in a way that's like super empowering and very much like exactly kind of how you just put it flipping that idea on its head of like men don't know women's bodies better than women and kind of like actually like putting that on the page mm -hmm. well I feel like anyone is going to accuse me of lying if I say that it was difficult at times because you know how hard is it to write a book where like every other chapter is a sex scene but <laughs> the challenge was making each scene feel different and still exciting to the reader when the characters are essentially hooking up from chapter three onward right but we have to still feel invested in this relationship and see it grow over time mm -hmm. so I think this book really gave me a cool opportunity to incorporate sex scenes that we don't always see in romance um, because the couple is usually just getting together and things are still really early stages, you don't get to see them explore, you know, sex toys or kink. Um, so I feel like I got to, I, 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 the, the premise itself sort of gave me the freedom to do that, which, which I enjoyed and also felt very, you know, empowering for the characters and just, I think, empowering and freeing for me as a writer. Um, and I also just really tried to push back against a lot of harmful language that, you know, 
definitely is not that prevalent today. I think romance novels are super, super inclusive, definitely one of the most progressive spaces out there. But, you know, historically, there's just a lot of um, limiting language around virginity or like what actually counts as sex. Mm-hmm. Um, like they have a whole conversation toward the beginning about how everything they do in the bedroom is sex. Like if someone is having an orgasm, it is sex. Mm-hmm. There's not just one definition of it. Mm-hmm. I also think that like, and I don't know if this is intentional, but I- I'm sure it was that like, this book is kind of like a critique or a commentary on like the lack of sex education that we get. And I know like growing up in Canada, our sex education was so damn embarrassing and minimal. I think in grade like two, someone came into our class, separated the boys and girls and told the girls about like what a period is and told the boys about what like a boner is. And that was the extent. We never had like a conversation about like what sex means, like how to like not even on like a reproduction level, just like on a pleasure level, like what it could be like, it was never a conversation. And then especially in my house growing up, like my parents never gave me any form of a talk. Mm-hmm. So like, they're really, <laughs> exactly. So like, there never really was this kind of like exploration, understanding, learning lesson. Like it just like, wasn't part of our education at home or in school. And I feel like that's kind of the exact same world Chandler and Finn are living in. Like they also didn't have that type of learning growing up and it was only taught and like experienced by themselves. So like, was that kind of your intention with the story trying to like, not necessarily critique, but kind of shed light on the fact that like, this is kind of a gap in our education growing up and kind of like, it is something that we're all lacking. And it like, was that kind of part of it too? Or was it more just Yeah, there, you know, I think that was probably in there subconsciously because my own sex ed history, um, I've mentioned this on Instagram a while back, but I was so ashamed of my body and any kind of desires um, as a teenager that I begged my parents to write a note excusing me from sex ed. So whatever was talked about, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I learned everything from books and media and truthfully didn't properly understand like women's bodies until I found romance novels in my mid twenties. So in a way, this book was kind of a love letter to that, like the power that romance novels have to teach women about their own pleasure um dot 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 and business I feel like I have to make that joke every (laughs) every time I thumbs up um but truly it's very interesting when you think about how even with what you just said like teaching girls about periods and teaching boys about boners like any kind of instruction about sex is wrapped up in male pleasure because like quite literally the act of becoming pregnant like the guy has to orgasm for that to happen the woman can feel absolutely nothing um and there's just no instruction god forbid about how to understand your own body as a woman um like if the word clitoris was ever mentioned in my (laughs) in any of my health classes like I, I, I would, I feel like I would remember it because I would have been so shocked. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a hundred percent sure. For sure. Another part of this book, and it's kind of a staple in all of your books, which I feel like is why a lot of people gravitate to your writing is the conversation and the discourse you kind of present on mental health. And it's always 
something different, but kind of something the same. But I really love how in this story, you kind of really lean into like anxiety, but also into like OCD. And it's just like very honest. It's an honest take and it doesn't feel like it's like glorified in any way. And it's kind of just like super, super raw on an own experience. And I'm just wondering like with this story in particular, why did you want to include those, that type of like mental health representation in the story? And what are you kind of hoping readers take away from those pieces of this? That's a great question. And it is something that's gotten more important to me the longer that I do this, because I realized, you know, again, I didn't have any positive representations of that growing up. Like the only times I saw mental health dealt with in books or in movies or TV was always someone was going off their meds and that was, you know, oh no, I had to, had to stop them. Or it was someone being really um, strongly against therapy in, you know, someone just being, I feel like that was a real staple of YA novels for a long time, like a main character being very opposed to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think that having, that reading care, having read characters who were not just open about their mental health struggles, but also open about their treatment um, at a young age would have, would have definitely made it easier for me to find mm-hmm. the words to discuss it. And yeah, it's also just very, it's very cathartic to be able to write about those kinds of experiences. I, I wrote about OCD a bit in We Can't Keep Meeting Like This, which was one of my YA novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this one, I gave Finn a lot of the elements of my OCD that are wrapped up in, um, you know, germs, cleanliness, kind of food, um, contamination. And I, it's one of those elements of, of my OCD even that I feel weird talking about because it is like that stereotypical version. And there, like, there are so many, um, my OCD presents in like a lot of different ways and that's just one of them. Mm-hmm. But I do have some like imposter syndrome about it, which I actually had him say that like he even has imposter syndrome about his OCD because it is kind of that textbook cliche example, but it that doesn't make it any less real for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also find like, it's very different when you talk about mental health in a book when it's not like mental health in crisis, but rather like mental health, just being a part of a character and how they deal with it in everyday life and how it's like, obviously a massive part of them, but it's not the only part of them. And I find that in this book and in in this book in particular, it's very intentionally written. Like, it's not as though these parts of the characters are their sole part, like their biggest parts. It's just like another added element of them. And I feel like it's just done super delicately and very real, which I feel like readers are really going to appreciate if they have not yet read the book. I think they're really going to resonate. And if not see part of themselves in these characters, a hundred percent, someone they know, or, you know, like it's just very familiar and very universal. So that was something that I really took away from that part of the characters as well. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast, where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts, or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast.
Oh, thank you. And yeah, that's that's absolutely a conscious choice. There are a lot of great books that do feature characters in the middle of a mental health crisis. And I mean, the ones that come to mind immediately, um, A Brush With Love, The Charm Offensive, The Charm Offensive, and those authors do a really fantastic job um, showing that. And that is something that I, I think I'm actually a little intimidated about it, or a little intimidated by it as an author. And I would like to explore that. Actually, I I lied. I, I think I just completely blanked and on the book that I just finished, but that is actually a huge part of the book that I just finished. <laughs> I mean, like I sent it off to my editor and immediately forgot everything that was in it. Wow. Um, yeah. So I guess I did, I guess I did explore that and that will come out next year. Um, and that's just because I, yeah, I want to explore different facets of that experience. And I think it can be really validating and reassuring as a reader if it is something you are actively going through to see that character who is also actively going through it and figuring out, figuring it out. And also depending on where you are in your journey to see someone who has figured it out, yeah. whatever that, that looks like. And that can obviously be a spectrum and something that is still ongoing, right? Like it's not, you're not just cured one day. Um, but yeah, seeing someone who is just thriving and they're on medication or in therapy and just, living their life and falling in love and doing unethical things as the characters <laughs> in my books tend to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about the unethical um, theme of your last three books, but before we talk about, <laughs> um, but before we talk about that, another thing that's like in all of your books and I cannot just like not address it is I'm obsessed with the fact that you always include a Jewish main character. And I know that's because obviously like you're Jewish and that's something important for you to incorporate. I'm obsessed with the fact that Chandler and I share a last name. I just felt very seen in that sense, even though I have like the most common Jewish last name of all time. But moving forward, now that you're going to be kind of moving out of this trilogy of like journalism related books, which we will talk about in a second, is it something you're going to continue to use? Like, are you going just, just to keep having Jewish main characters because like you're Jewish and you think we need to see that representation? Like, talk to me a little bit about that decision. Honestly, short answer, yes. And it was a choice that I made after my first book came out in 2018. And I started hearing from Jewish readers that they hadn't seen very many Jewish characters just casually being Jewish. And it also feels like it might be inauthentic to write a character who isn't. Like, I can't, I guess I could imagine writing something just completely devoid of any mentions of it. But, but even so, that does seem strange. But I, I can't imagine writing a book with, like, a character celebrating Christmas. Right. Okay. I hear you. Like that, I would that, do that feels strange to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it and it is also weird because I personally am very secular. So like I could if I wrote a book about my life, it is possible that like depending on the time of year and what else was going on, like Judaism may not factor into it. But it would still be like this integral part of my identity and especially Especially when I have two characters, I, I kind of go back and forth whether the hero is also Jewish. But when you have two characters and they're meeting and they're both Jewish, they're obviously going to talk about it. One hundred percent, you can't not as a Jewish person. You can't. Yeah, not. we we love talking about being Jewish with other Jewish people. <laughs> exactly. Why are we like this? That is so true. That is so so true. Um, okay, so now I guess we could talk about the fact that this book kind of rounds out this not connected, but I guess sort of connected series that you've written of women in journalism. And now you're kind of like yeah. doing like unethical 
questionable things. Um, Mm -hmm. So why are you stopping now? And like, what's happening next? (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, it was not wholly intentional. Um, But part of me was like, might as well put this journalism degree to use. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. I think so there is this really strong history of journalism being a key part of romantic comedies. Like think about any rom-com from the nineties, early two thousands, like, uh, you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days, never been kissed. Um, all of those movies center around journalism. And I think, I think it's a couple of reasons. I think one, it's kind of a shortcut to show that the woman is good at her job. Like, oh, she's like this, she's this journalist. She knows what she's doing. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she can get this, she can get the scoop. Um, but I also think it, especially if it's a workplace romance, it creates the opportunity for that unethical behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you're writing an article about um, you know, all the ways that you can scare off a man as he's writing his article about how to fall in love with you. Right. Um, And I think that that unethical element is at the root of a lot of romantic comedies because to me, for and I know this is sort of slightly off topic, but to me, for something to be a romantic comedy, I think there has to be like some kind of manipulation or you know, pretending or something semi-unethical at its core that the characters will need to untangle later. Okay. And that is definitely a big part of all my books so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shouldn't say in order for it to be a romantic comedy, but I guess the kinds of romantic comedies that I am drawn to. Because I like the idea that not only are these characters, you know, falling for each other, but they are entrenched in something that they need to find their way out of together mm-hmm. so it gives them yeah it gives them this like blueprint for okay we're in love now we have to figure out like you're writing this book about me and you're teaching me how to get better in bed like what is the like what, you know what is the proper way to kind of disentangle ourselves from all of those elements while mm-hmm. maintaining our relationship um so, yeah, and I, I don't know. I didn't intend to do three of them. It felt, after the X-Talk, I did want to do another one. And then, again, I was drawn to ghostwriting, and it seemed like that really fit well into this journalism universe. Um, but three felt like a good number, right? Uh, so, yeah, my next book does not have a journalist in it. <laughs> That's so exciting. So is there anything you we will... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll- I know. Okay, but is there anything you could like tease about that book? Like, do we have any idea? Like, or I'm sure you do because you're finished writing it, but like tropes used or when it's coming out or anything you can like hint to, or is it top secret? Everyone will find out soon. No, well, so my next YA, I can't share anything yet, but my next adult, I actually was um, sharing some stuff on tour because I was like, I'm sure I won't get in trouble. It'll be fine. Uh, I can say it's set in Amsterdam and it has both the second chance romance and marriage of convenience tropes. Okay. Love both a lot. 
And that's, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. That's so exciting. Okay. So when this YA book that we can't talk about, like when is it coming out? Like when is the next Rachel and Solomon book hitting shelves? Yeah. So that's going to be June of next year. And I think October is when I'll be able to share more. I'm kind of waiting for, we're waiting. Well, we actually don't have a title right now. So I cannot actually, (laughs) cannot actually share anything because there is no title. Um, But I should be, should be figuring that out soon. Okay. That's so fun. Well, thank you so, so, so much for chatting with me today. I love this book. I love everything you write. I will read anything you write. Um, And it's like always a pleasure to connect with you. And I really love the story. And I know everyone who has read it, loved it. And everyone who has yet to read it will love it. (laughs) That's a threat. (laughs) No, it is. It's a, it's a guarantee. Thank you so much. It's just such a blast to talk with you. And yeah, I, I look forward to next time. Me too. If you'll have me. <laughs> A million times over. There will the limit does not exist.